welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, we're here for the second part of our clean tech round talk this week. First part was all about Tesla and its sort of place in the market. And this part is about the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and how it stimulates and, and incentivizes clean tech beyond electric vehicles or, you know, in various ways. Are you a problem solver? Wetzilla has been at the forefront of engineering innovation since 1834. Today, our next generation of leaders design and provide the tools to integrate and manage power grids that combine renewables with flexibility solutions, traditional thermal assets, and energy storage. No matter the size or location, we're a team championing the problem solvers of our future. We use the power of collaboration and co-creation to make a difference. Visit storage.wordzilla.com forward slash careers to learn more today. Steve, you did a, a really interesting piece on this uh, this week. What do, what do you have to share? Well, I, I'm going to start with a plug for a, a fairly new news source called Canary Media. They are an instrumentality of uh, what used to be called Rocky Mountain Institute, which now just goes by RMI. Uh, and they do a really excellent job of uh, bringing news to people about uh, clean energy and clean technica details. Not as good as clean technica itself, but, but close. And they did a report just today in fact, with uh, the people at Rewiring America who have created an online tool for uh, ordinary folks that can go and plug in some of the data where they live, what their household income is, whether they're filing taxes as individuals or married filing jointly, and get answers as to exactly what uh, tax incentives and upfront uh, purchase credits are available under the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. It's really a lot of stuff that's very confusing. And I put a link to the, to the online tool in the story uh, for, so that people can go and do it for themselves. You know, I, to me, I look at the IRA, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act a little differently. You know, I did an episode earlier in the week, or actually last week with Lauren McDonald, who's another clean technical writer who comes and goes a little bit, and he's the head of EV adoption. And his whole thing is that this isn't really an inflation act or, or a, a credit, you know, rebate act or an incentive act. It's really trade policy, right? So when when we look at this, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, the Sun Paragraph, and I'm looking at, at you know, the, the Zachary Shahan article about this that, that came out yesterday, you know, I, I, I look at those things and it, it just seems like there's always fine print, right? So we're talking about up to $7,500 tax credit on electric vehicles. And I don't know if this is the direction we wanted to go with this, but it, it isn't really an expansion of the EV tax credit the way that it's been sort of marketed by the politicians, because currently there aren't really that many vehicles, if any, that meet all the you know battery sourcing requirements and things like that to get that $7,500 tax credit. So when I read about tax credits for home builders or tax credit on solar systems, 
you know, I, I, I just ask myself, what's the fine print and what, what's like the catch going to be? Yeah. I mean, I think with all of these big bills nowadays, the, the, the way Congress has evolved, they try to put everything in one bill and force a way to get it passed in that way, instead of doing a bill on every individual topic or issue. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm not really a fan of the approach because it just, I feel like it would be easier to just have one success after another on one topic after another, and then really fine tune those, but that's how they do it. And so I think this is on the one hand, it's like the biggest climate legislation in, in U S history. And I think that's basically what most climate focused people talk about with this on the EV side. There are, I mean, they basically tried, to, I think with all of these, they've sort of tried to address some of the concerns that people have had over rich people getting incentives they don't need in order to buy EVs and solar or, or you know, just trying to address all these different kind of like nuanced issues that can arise with just a flat uh, subsidy. Mm-hmm. So I think with with solar and energy storage, it's it's more of the same. It's not like they didn't, I don't think they'd modified as much as they did with the EVs. EVs is a, is a complicated topic, which we've talked about and we have the, the Lauren McDonald podcast about. But on the other side, there's, you know, basically SunPower came up with a list. There's a 30% tax credit on solar systems. There's a 30% tax credit on energy storage technologies. There's tax credits for home builders to to put these kind of things in. There's $8,000 rebate on heat pumps. There's a $1,750 rebate on heat pump water heaters. There's $840 rebate on electric stoves, cooktops, ranges, and ovens. There's a $4,000 rebate on a breaker box upgrade or $2,500 rebate on electrical wiring so that you can basically prepare your house for renewable energy or energy storage or or EVs. So I think they're trying to tackle like everything under the sun. And I think that that makes it a pretty phenomenal bill. It does make it hard to find out like, oh, what can I do? What can I get from this? And I, what I loved about the thing Steve highlighted was it had a very it had a clever way of sort of helping people find out like what can i what can i get from this bill and steve maybe you want to talk a little bit more about how they sort of the kind of nuance of like if you put in there that you're a renter then they won't show you stuff that probably only a homeowner would want to spend money on like a breaker box upgrade or you know <laughs> to the, you know a big upgrade of the electrical wiring in the house i mean if you're renting you're not going to spend money on that so I don't know, give a little more on the on why the tool is so useful or or just overall on the on the incentives. The thing that's helpful about the online tool is that there are various income limits that kick in for many of these credits and rebates that are confusing to people. So with the online tool, you put in where you live. Uh, the reason that where you live is important is because some of the features are tied to the average median income in your community. So that somebody who lives in uh, Texas may have a, a different eligibility than someone uh, who lives in uh, Wyoming. So it's, uh, it's targeted to your area. And so that's really hard for people to figure out. So you put in your zip code and then the tool knows where you live and it knows your average median income in your neighborhood. And so it can compute uh, what benefits are available to you, which is really hugely helpful because otherwise, who knows? It's, it's, it's uh, almost impossible to know in advance, and in many cases, what you're eligible for. Uh, it streamlines things considerably. Yeah. Do you have the URL for that so we can people who are listening can do? Well, I do, as a matter of fact, and All it's right. very simple. 
you go to rewiringamerica.com and you look up at the top and there's a there's a link there to their online IRA calculator and the, the link is included in the story that which is on clean technica at the moment it says questions about IRA benefits uh, renewing rewiring america has the answers it was just published this morning very cool yeah and i mean joe you can say more of your concerns i mean i i think i i think the big thing that i mean nobody likes fine print nobody likes all these except you know, all these like oh but you can't if you're whatever but for the most part i think it's like they there was a lot of criticism for years that these clean tech subsidies help the rich and there's a lot of evidence that it, that it doesn't just help the rich, but it's that's sort of been a big PR problem for the for clean tech subsidies. And I think this was one way of addressing that criticism and that PR problem. And secondly, I mean, there was big pushback from Mansion and and, and Cinema and some others that they they didn't want it to be too big. They didn't want to spend too much money. And when they add all these kind of exclusions, exceptions for basically saying rich people can't get the subsidies, and I mean, I think it's basically very rich people i mean still plenty of normal rich people can get it can get them so i i, I think it's just you know excluding very rich people who really don't need any any help and they find clever ways of doing that by you know median in, income in your in your county and different things which is confusing but then luckily someone comes along and creates a tool to help us all find what we're eligible for so i, th I think it's uh i think it's good even though it's complicated and the EV stuff is is even more complicated, and we'll we'll talk about it in more episodes, I'm sure, because it's really a it's it is really a trade, a lot of trade stuff in there, and I don't think that's so much in the renewable energy uh, side of it. In general, Zach, one of the main benefits of the IRA is that for the first time in a long time, it establishes how long these benefits are going to be available. So that if you're in the business of uh, building a solar, uh, a solar power plant or a wind farm, before you're always at the whim of Congress. Well, gosh, if you don't get it up and running by a certain, certain date, your 30% tax credit goes away. Well, if that goes away, that makes a huge difference. And it may turn a, a project from being profitable to being unprofitable. Now it's 2032. If you get it done by 2032, you get the credit. And that, that level of predictability is probably the major factor that is going to drive a surge in renewable energy in America over the next 10 years. Yeah, because these used to basically get renewed every few years and, and they would have these boom bust cycles. So people trying to install a lot at the end of the period, hoping or not sure if it will get renewed and then lulls at the beginning of a new period or but I, I so the long term you know 2032 gives a long a lead time for plenty of time to to develop plans and have a sustainable market form better joe any any final thoughts on the are you going to rewire your house or get a get an ev a heat pump or a electric you stove? know so <laughs> it, it, it's funny that you bring that up so we've looked into geothermal here in in uh oak park we're outside of chicago and it, it's been very expensive but with you know some kind of tax credit i think it's probably doable it really depends on you know how that plays out whether it's a rebate or a tax credit or you know a discount but i think the one that's most interesting to us is the uh the solar ability or the ability to put the solar panels on the roof there's a lot of state and utility incentives i think that's really exciting 
I think the upgrading of the, uh, you know, the fuse panel, the electrical circuit in order to be able to do some V to G type stuff, you know, and supplement the, the sort of dedicated 240 outlet in the garage, I think is, uh, is very exciting. So I, I think all that stuff is cool, but, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is still really expensive. And even if, even with the rebates, it's still not nothing. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that the rebates and the incentives are still, still out there. I hope that we can get some uh, expansion of the net metering program so that some of that equipment can help pay for itself in a more direct way than through savings. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I think it's exciting and uh, you know, it, it's a really good time to be here. I just, I'm just always going to be a little bit hesitant until uh, it, it all kind of plays out because even, you know, even in discussions of the EV credits that we've gone over and over and over here on Clean Technica, you know, uh, until Buttigieg and everybody else kind of figures out how they're going to enforce it, we don't really know how it's going to play out. So I, I, I remain, yeah. I guess I would say I remain optimistic. And uh, if it looks like the numbers are decent, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do all that stuff to my house. Who wouldn't? And I think, Steve, your point that it's, that it's a long-term thing really is critical for that because it gives these markets time to say, okay, we can get set up, we can get going. And we've already seen a number of stories about EV battery factories uh, being planned for the U.S., solar, solar panel factories planned for the U.S. again in response to this, at least that's what the companies say. So I think it is already stimulating the market, which is as much as you can hope for at this point. So, so that's it for this episode of Clean Tech Talk. And uh, check in next time to hear us talk about another solar or energy storage or electric vehicle topic. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.